Welcome to Kingdom Life Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. I've been, uh, I've been pondering about this uh, topic called community for so long. And because um, and, that's our heart. Our heart in this church is to do community well. That's our heart. That's what church is all about. Church is not just church coming and, no, no, we, like I said last week, we don't just come to church. We come to community. We come to be part of a community where we, where we um, grow, mature, where we are loved, where we find ourselves. And I just loved um, working on the sermon series. It's really amazing. Now, last week we started with the sermon. The sermon series name is One. Um, if you remember, well, the red looks better today. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, and so we started with sermon series, and God spoke to me about this sermon series out of the book of John, John 17, verse 22. Now, it's a powerful prayer that Jesus had, and Jesus prayed this prayer. The whole chapter of John 17 is a prayer that Jesus prayed. In the first couple of verses, he prayed for himself. The, the middle part of the chapter, he prayed for his disciples which he also said, let's be one as I'm one with the Father. And then in verse 20 to 26, he speaks about, or he prays for us as a community. He prays for all believers, all over. And he said the following. He said, let's just read our core scripture again. He says, I am praying not only for these disciples. I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through this message, through, through their message. I pray that they will be one just as we are, sorry, just as I, you and I are one, sorry. <coughs> as you are in me, Father, I am in you. And may they in us, sorry, and may they be in us so that the world may believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. A lot of ones, one, 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 one. And he's speaking about unity, but Unity, he says, we found unity in a place of community. If you read this whole chapter, you realize that, that this is a prayer focused on community. Now, I want to give you a bit of a recap. If you haven't been here, if you're watching on Facebook this morning, and you haven't watched uh, or listened to last week's sermon, let me give you a quick recap. This is our core scripture that, that we've been using for our sermon series. And if you look at the chapter 17, how Jesus prayed, you realize that he prayed a prayer of community. He prayed a prayer of community. See, if we as believers were looking for the key to Christianity, the key to Christianity, if you ever ask for the key for something, Father, give me the key for this business that I'm doing or the key for this. Now, if you're looking for the key for Christianity, it is community. It is community. And I believe this was a huge topic for Jesus at this moment. He was leaving. He built a small community with his disciples. And he knew that what he's building this core with Right now, this will become a mighty movement of community all over the world. But he also said, may every believer, every church, every cell group, every place where we are at, may you have be one like me and the Father are one. That means that may you have community as me and the Father has community. But the issue for our generation living today is not anything else but individual mindset. See, there's an individualism that we struggle through. It's all about me. It's all about me. How can I be great? How can I be benefited first? How can I be this? How can I be that? And it's a problem. 
That's a problem. See, the core issue of individualism is two things. It's independence and isolation. Independence and isolation. And you know what? It's a killer. It kills. It's not something that grows you when you're alone. We're not made to be alone. So when we choose to isolate ourselves from community, we will miss the grace of God. See, we will miss that anointing that blesses us every week. It's so important. And to be part of community is a humbling process. Like we said last week, it is a humbling process. Why? Because we need to be lured out of our cave sometimes. We need to be lured out of that place where, where you hide and isolate yourself so that you can find community because in community it has potential where we can flourish where we can find ourselves, where we can find our calling that God has given us. It happens in community. I remember when I went to church the first time, and I was in church at the back, and one guy came to me and said, Hey, I see you alone. What do you do? And he started chatting to me. He said, Listen, I'm ushering next week. Won't you come and help me usher? I said, Oh, okay. And as I started hosting at the door and hosting people and ushering, I started meeting people and I started knowing, wow, this is community. And sooner than later, I found my calling while I was hosting and ushering, standing at the door, greeting people, realizing that I've got a call to ministry. I've got a call that's much bigger. But if I would have isolated myself at the back of the church every Sunday, I would have missed that. Well, God probably wouldn't let it go. <laughs> but I would have missed that or probably would have lengthened that call. Now, when we come part of community, we need to submit ourselves. We looked at 1 Peter 5, 5 this morning. It's not up there. But it says, as we submit ourselves, there's a blessing to it. As we submit ourselves to who? To others. To people around you. To leaders. It doesn't mean that, that you're the boss and I'm not. No, no. Just submission means that I, I'm, I open myself to you to, to speak into my life. Now, I, I don't know if you remember, but last week we used a definition for community, and we just used three words. We said community is availability, vulnerability, and to share your life with others. Remember that? I'm available. I'm vulnerable enough as I submit myself to others, but then I want to share my life to other, with others. And as I share my life with others, then, <laughs> then something starts changing in my life. Now, why do we need to submit? It's, a, it's a quite a good question. Why? Because it's God's plan for creation to be part of community. It's His pattern for life to say, submit yourself to community where you can grow, where people can help you and inform you and mature you. Christianity just works in a context of community. It does. It just works in a context of, if you want to be a Christian and you want to follow God, then God says that, Christianity and following me works in a context of being part of a community of believers. That's what the word church comes from. The word church comes from the word ecclesia. That means community of believers. The community of believers. So we want to be part. We, we need to be part of a community because that's a context. That's a pattern that God has created us to be part of. You see, so many times we do Christianity but we doesn't come together, or some, sometimes it just doesn't come together. I do Christianity, I believe, I, I do this, but it, it doesn't really work for us. I've, I've had so many, numerous conversations with young men and women saying, hey, I've been a Christian, I've done this, I've, I've done this, but it just doesn't work for me. 
And I said to, I usually ask them, it's like, okay, have you been part of a life group? Have you been part of the church life? Have you joined a mission? Have you done this? No, I don't have time for all those things. But I come to church. I say to them, but that's why it's not working. That's why it's not working. See, because we're missing the context it was supposed to be in. And that was community. I used an analogy last week that you don't use your motorboat or your fishing boat in your front yard and start the engine and ref it and, doesn't, and then, then doesn't know why it doesn't work. You see, it only works in water because that was why the context it was built for. And sometimes we want to do Christianity and we don't know why it works because we don't use it in a context it was, it was created for. And a context is community. You see, all I can say this morning is that community works. I've seen it through, through 20 years of ministry, through many years of being a Christian. Every time I... I took myself out of my comfort zone and isolation and placed myself intentionally in between people. I started growing. I started maturing. I started experiencing things in my life that I wouldn't have experienced if I would have been alone, if I'd been isolated. Now today, I want to I look at four foundational pillars, four foundational pillars that community gives us. Four foundational pillars. So there's probably more, but I wanted to look at this four. So number one is strength comes through community. Strength. Strength. Now, there's a scripture in Proverbs that says, He who walks with wise men will be wise. He who walks with wise men will be wise. You see, King Solomon said this, if we walk with wise men around us in a community, that their strength will become your strength. Remember I spoke about it last week? That their strength will become your strength. See, if you access community, the strength of that community become yours. It becomes yours. No, you need to make it on your own. See, that's the message that the world preaches nowadays. You need to make it on your own. You, needing others is a sign of weakness. Pulling yourself, you need to pull yourself up. Or be a self-made man. You see, that's the sermons the world is preaching. But it is not biblical. It is not biblical. Yes, sometimes you need to get on your two feet and make it work. But we are not called to do things alone. Because the biblical way is to be part of a community. See, we're called not to live, um, sorry, we're not called to live by ourselves. We're not. Otherwise, God would, would, do procreation in a different way. You would have created individuals and say you can procreate by yourself. I think it would be a boring world. Yeah. <laughs> See, when we're trying to do it on our own in or or when we try to do it on our own in life, you have so you, you solely rely on the following things. You rely on your expertise, your own expertise, your own wisdom your own level of experience, your own level of knowledge, your own level of revelation. You have to solely rely on yourself to make it work. But it's not true. It doesn't work. Let me give you an example. So here we have John. Say he was in our church, and his name is John. And, and John is a great guy. He's great in finances. He's wise. He's mature. He's experienced. I mean, he has stepped through life. Now, you've got a John in church. 
When you bring your life into community and walk with a guy like John and submit your finances to him, you gain the access to the strength that is on him. You do. There was many times in my life that I realized I struggle with this and I, I, I through conversations, I would man, that guy is great with that. And I went there and I said, listen, can I have coffee with you? I'll buy you lunch. I just need a lunch with you. And as I went to lunch, I start speaking to him. I open my life. I'm vulnerable. I share my life. And as soon as he opens his life to me, and he usually do because it's in community, the strength that's on him becomes my strength because he starts coaching me and discipling me. But see, to get to that, we need to make a decision to walk with him. I need to make a decision. I need to be intentional to find him in my life and, 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 and others in my context in that community. And then go to them and say, listen, I see you don't struggle with this or you're good with that. Can you teach me how to do this? Can you disciple me? And say, hey, maybe you come to it like, I hear you pray quite well. You've got revelation on this and that. And that. Can I have lunch with you? Please share that revelation with me. Teach me how to pray like that. Teach me how to do this. Now, I always wondered, how can I make a powerful, more powerful decisions in my life or do great things? How many of us wanted to do that? I want to make good decisions in my life. I want to have wisdom in my life. I want to do great things. I've never met someone who doesn't want to do great things. I've never done that. But I've looked at men and women around me that do great things, and I always thought, I want to be like that. Don't you? I want to be like that. I want to sing like that. I want, to, I want to preach like that. I want to have a business like that. I want to be wise like that. But then I always thought, to be honest, just to be honestly vulnerable with you, I always thought, man, that's, that kind of ability is quite way over my head. Eh? <laughs> have you ever thought about that? When I had a dream when I was younger, I had a dream one night that I preached in front of thousands of young people. And I felt the fire of God burning inside of me. And, and I woke up and I knew it was, a, it was a dream that God gave me. But I realized, well, I'm not a good speaker, though. <laughs> I'm really, I, I wasn't. Because I mumbled all my life through and I, I struggled to connect with people. I was a shy one, never saying anything. And I went to guys in my life and I said, listen, I had this dream. How do I do this? And he said, oh, you meet me 6 o'clock every, every Thursday morning for coffee and then bring your Bible. And I started stepping through things in my life to grow and mature. But see, I realized that to live over my head is to walk with people a lot wiser and a lot more anointed than I am. Why? Because they will rub off on you. The more you hang out with people that's more anointing, more wiser, do better things, it rubs off on you and you started speaking like them, acting like them, doing like them. Yes, you need to be an individual who God called you to be. But I mean, it's amazing to see how young men or women get discipled by strong leaders. A year after that, I look at them and I was like, man, you speak like them, you look, act like them. You have made a copy of who you are in them and because they pulled from the strength of that individual, of that community. Now, I'm not saying you need to change who you are. Be who you are. I always say that's what discipleship is. Discipleship is giving the best that I have from me, giving it to you, and with your qualities, you'll go further than me. You need to. That was one of the most securely or insecure things that I had to deal with, that the guys I'm discipling around me will outgrow me. 
they will, would actually have to outgrow me, otherwise our generation will stagnate. So I need to leave my insecurities and know that the men around me will outgrow me. They need to. That's what God called us. See, as a young man, I always moaned and groaned. And, and, and it's like, why don't the wiser men disciple me in my life? Why don't they? They never call me for coffee. They never invite me to this. They never do this. I mean, when, when is going to be my chance? And then one day I sat, I sat with one of my senior leaders after I had a moan session. It's like, oh, this and that. And he said, Henny, you know what? They will never pour into your life if you're not intentional enough to pursue them. I was like, oh, can I actually do that? <laughs> I was like, oh, yes. So I started pursuing the men. I mean, I was a pain later. I was like, can I meet with you tomorrow? No, not tomorrow. Oh, can I meet with you Tuesday? No, no, not Tuesday. Can I meet with you Wednesday? <laughs> so I, I got so agitated. I, mean, I had them so agitated. I was like, okay, Henny, stop. I'll meet you every Thursday morning at 6. I was like, be there or don't be there. I was like, I'm there. So I pursued them intentionally in their lives because I wanted more in my life. I wanted to pull from their strength in their lives. Why? Where did I get it? In a community. A community of believers. See, we needed to embrace and pursue, pursue the strength community offers. We need to do that. That's how we live beyond our capabilities. That's how. Let me give you another example. In California, you get a tree called the redwood tree. Now, the picture doesn't really help, but, but if you put a person next to that tree, the person would be way smaller. Now, these trees are incredible. I, I mean, it's a dream to go there once. It's wooden, uh, it's, it's close to uh, uh, Los Angeles, um, and, and the LA is full of the, the wooden areas. That's why all the, the fires and, um, that they have in California at the moment, it's because of the redwood trees. Now, a redwood tree grows 80 to 100 meters tall. Do you know how tall that is? This roof is about 30 meters. Now think about four of these buildings on top of each other. That's how big one of those trees is. Tall, tall trees, thick trees. And, and it's incredible to go and walk. But the amazing thing of these trees, they, their roots only goes 1.5 meters deep. 1.5 meters deep. It's amazing, isn't it? But their root system is 80 meters wide. 80 meters wide. That's a long, I mean, that's, that's wide. Now, if you look at it, the fact that they keep standing through heavy storms, through wind, through all this amazing, it's because their strength, they strengthen each other by intertwining their roots with each other. That's how they gather strength. Their roots are not very deep, but it's wide. And because it's wide, it intertwines with everyone around them. And because it intertwines with everyone around them, there is tremendous strength in that community. The winds can come and batter against them, and they will stay strong because they are stronger together. If you put one of those trees alone and isolate them way far there, I mean, guess what's going to happen with the first strong storm and wind that's going to happen? It's going to blow over. Why? Because it wasn't made to be isolated. It was made to be part of community. And it's the same with us. We are not made to be isolated. We are not made to be, to, be, um, to be alone in life. We are called to do things together. That's where we find our strength. That's why I have a major issue. One of the big things I'm praying through at the moment is we've gone through lockdown. Yes, that was great. But one thing that the church world 
thought it was amazing, and it was amazing, that we could live stream to a whole world. But as soon as we came out of isolation and we came out of lockdown, people were isolated by just watching live stream. And I'm not gunning with anyone who's live streaming tonight. I'm happy that you can join us. But I believe that God called us to community, to sit in church where we can fellowship together, where you can look someone in the face, where you can share something, where you can get a hug if you need one. But when you get isolated and comfortable and passive behind a screen because, oh, they're live streaming, you're not going to mature and grow like you have to. You see, strength is fine in community when you stand with people around you. See, if we miss community in church or in life, we are missing a network of strength that makes us stronger. I don't want to be, I don't know about you, but I want to be part of a network that makes me stronger. And I'm not insecure that I feel like I want to be the strong one. No, no. I know that people around me make me stronger. If I want to know something about cars, I go to Neil. If I want to know something about graphic design, I go to that person, to this. If I want to know something about electrical stuff, I call this one and that. I mean, I've got a network around me of people that I know that I can call him, I can speak to her, I can do this, because I know that they make me a better man and stronger in who I am. See, if you want to accomplish stuff by yourself, strength is really found in community. Now, number two, Safety comes through community. Safety comes through community. Now let me give you an illustration. I read this story this week. And it's a story told by a monastery in Portugal. About a monastery in Portugal. And the monastery was built high on a 3,000 foot cliff. And accessible only by a terrifying ride in the basket. (laughs) Now the basket is pulled up with a single rope by several strong men suffering under the strain of this fully loaded basket, pulling you up. Now think about it. Now a tourist who visited the site got nervous halfway up this cliff when he noticed that the rope was old and battered. Hoping to calm his fears down, he asked one of the monarchs in the basket, he said, listen, how often do you change this rope? And the monks replied, said, oh, whenever it breaks. I don't know about you, but would you like to, would you feel safe riding in that basket? I don't think so. I would not feel safe. You see, but community is not that way. It's not built that way. Listen to to the scriptures in Proverbs. Pray for me for a new battery. Plans go wrong. Proverbs 15, 22. Plans go wrong for a lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. Proverbs 24, 6, so don't go to war without wise guidance. Victory depends on having many advisors. And look at the last one. Proverbs eleven fourteen. where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. Isn't that a great scripture? Great scripture. In a multitude of counselors, there is safety. So powerful statement. See, there's a very well-known saying in Africa. It takes a village to raise a child. (laughs) It takes a village to raise a child. I spoke about Ubuntu last week. I love the, 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 the fact of Ubuntu. I am because we are. Isn't that amazing? There's a, I think somebody said to me this week, Sayabona means I see you. Am I right? I see you. I'm not right. It's not Sayabona. What's the, what's the, so, 
I can see you. There we go. Uh, see, I can see you. Not just on Facebook. I can see you here. I can see, I mean, and that, that speaks community. That speaks community. We are better together. We need each other. See, we don't learn from fathers and mothers before us. If we don't learn from fathers and mothers before us, our society will fail in the generations to come. I need to learn from fathers and mothers before me. And sometimes a father and mother is younger than me. Because <laughs> God sometimes put a father in your life which is younger than you. But the experience and the leadership and whatever they are in guides you and helps you. Sometimes God wants us to build security in our lives. Every leader in my life that I had was younger than me. Every leader. Even now, Sean is younger than me. But I commit my life to him. I submit my life. I submit my leadership to him because I know that through submitting in his community and the network as pastors, I submit to that. I grow and mature. Now, the, the wisdom we surround ourselves with in community gives us safety. That's what the scripture says. The wisdom you surround yourself will give you safety. Now, let me give you another example. So, say you hear God's voice clearly. I know most of us do. And it's, not, it's fine if you don't yet. That's how we grow in maturing it. But say you hear God's voice clearly. You had no problem with that. But if you hear God's voice clearly, is our only focus. If it's our only focus just to hear God's voice, we will miss God's timing to act on it. We will. And the reason we're safe in community is because that's where the timing begins to work out. I hear from you, Lord. You speak to this about me and this about me. But the timing sometimes, I get the timing off. Lord, when do I act on this? When do I act on this? Now, through the years in ministry, I've had incredible prophetic words. I mean, my wife, is, you can attest, we have words together. And if, I mean, I recorded all of them, and sometimes I listen through them, and I just pray into them. But I had incredible prophetic words of, over my life personally, and I know some of you as well. And in the beginning, I thought, yes, that's such a powerful word. This word was so powerful, it, it's going to happen in the next two weeks. I'm sure of it. It was, it was such a powerful moment. I mean, I, I'm waiting. Every morning I wake up and say, Lord, this, today is the day. It's going to happen today. Woohoo! But I think God releases that word sometimes, and he thinks, yep, I've got about 15 to 20 years to work this one out in your life. And I've got so frustrated with this stuff, and I thought, I mean, Lord, can you just maybe next time you give me a word like that, just give it to me two or three days in advance, max, that I know it's two days and it's going to happen and it's done. <laughs> but it doesn't. You see, when the Lord speaks to us, it happens like this. He gives us a big word, but sometimes we are small in the spirit. We're still growing. And sometimes when He releases this big amazing promise over us we're still small in the spirit that he can grow and mature us to step into this promise as the time goes on but sometimes we get words that's so big for us lord i feel it overwhelms me so much that i know how to do this and god says don't worry it's not your job to worry when it's just your job to be faithful in what's in front of you just do what i've given you just go for it i will mature you i will grow you in community, where you are safe to help you time this word right. Does it make sense? 
See, this process is one of the most frustrating, agonizing, painful, confusing, frustrating. <laughs> it, it is a process. But God has to take us through that process to help us mature. But we are safe in community when we journey that word out. I usually, when I got that massive prophetic words, I would go to my pastor straight up and say, okay, let's have coffee. Okay, how do you, just help me with this thing. I mean, this overwhelms me. And then they help me, and in that process, I feel safe. And they help me to process this thing and said, Henny, let's step this out. I know the word. We're going to pray it over you. We're going to speak it over you. We're going to trust God with you. But let's process it out. See, there's, there's, an, there's from the word to the timing, there's safety in community. When I, was a, when I went into ministry as an ex-professional athlete, for those of you who don't know, I was a professional runner for 15, well, 12 years. And as I went into ministry as a professional, ex-professional athlete, well-known in our church, everybody knew that Henny travels three, four months a year, I'm not there, I have this and that, and I went into ministry. And <laughs> apart from the fact that I knew God wanted me to be there, I knew nothing about ministry, nothing. I just went to church, I loved the Lord, I knew how to usher, I did all these amazing things, but I knew nothing. So I ended up not asking any questions in ministry because I was too ashamed. Too ashamed. How can a professional, ex-professional, right? Ooh, the big guy in church, how can he now ask questions about how do I do, how do, I do this? How do I? No, no. So I, I stopped asking questions. But later on I realized how safe the environment of the community I was in, so I started getting my, um, um, how do you call it, my, um, yeah, my, my, you know, my ego, my guts together, <laughs> almost, it's part of that, yeah, my guts together, so I intentionally went to someone and said, please, just can you help me with this, and, and when I humbled myself and made a decision to start asking questions, no matter how stupid I sound, then suddenly I started growing, suddenly I started maturing, Suddenly, I started finding, my, finding myself in the midst of this thing. Now, even last week, two weeks ago, I called my senior leader from way back. He's still my spiritual father. And I asked, started asking him some questions. And, and when he started giving me the answers, and I thought, man, that, I mean, that suddenly the questions sound so stupid. Because the answer is so easy. Couldn't I just think about that myself? But I'm still in that place where I'm so vulnerable in that community of pastors that I have and friends that I could easily ask the question, why? Because I felt safe. I felt safe in that place of community. And that's what we get. We get safety in community. Number three, God speaks through community. That's a very important one, this. God speaks through community. So, so many times we think God is silent and don't speak to us through our challenges and through our situations. You see, sometimes when God feels silent to us, He only intends to speak to us through people for that moment or for that season. It's not the only, th only way God speaks. God speaks through His Word. He speaks audibly. I mean, goodness, God spoke to Billiam through a donkey. But community is the big one, I think. It's a big one where God speaks through people. When God speaks to me through the Word, what do I do? I still go to others and say, man, God spoke to me through this. This is a revelation. What do you think? Because I test it in community. And when we've isolated ourselves, 
sometimes we miss God speak. So when we're isolated, sometimes we miss God speak. And I don't want to be isolated because I want to hear God speak to me. That's why we have a prophetic culture in this church. And 1 Corinthians 12 speaks about nine spiritual gifts. It's not up there. It speaks about nine spiritual gifts. Thank you. But if you look at the nine gifts, five of them is God speaking through people. <laughs> five of them. The word of wisdom, word of knowledge, prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues. It's all spoken through community of people around us. See, God speaks through people to us. Not the only way, but it's the biggest. It's the biggest. Now, when we allow ourselves to be isolated, guess what happens? We're cutting ourselves off from the main way God speaks to us. We need people around us. Now, I'm not saying the community only has to be a church. I mean, we've got a, a big community around us with people who knows and believe and trust God who speak into our lives. But do you open your life to them? I still believe that we need church. We definitely need church because that's where we find a bigger community. That's where we have a prophetic outflow and flow and community where, where you hear God's voice. So we can't afford to be isolated. So if we're wondering why God is not speaking to us, He is. <laughs> he is speaking to us. He's just speaking through community in a season in our lives. I need to be in a community. I need to be in a small group. Gather with men over coffee. I need to be in church where somebody can encourage me, which is also prophetically, while we have coffee. Now, when I was younger, there have been so many times when I made stupid mistakes in ministry and in life. Have you ever been there? Oh, my goodness. Stupid mistakes. I mean, that's, that's putting it lightly. But and people close to me spoke wisdom into my life, and guess what? I didn't listen. I, I'm, I didn't listen. And then after so many heartaches and mishaps and nonsense, I realized, oh, I should have listened to them. And, and, and I, I could have kept myself away from offense. And I went to them and I said, man, you should have slapped me so that I'd listen to you. And every time I sat with my leader and I said, man, why didn't I listen to you? I mean, will God ever forgive me? Did I miss something? They always said this following and always stay with me. It says, God will never bypass the product of discipleship in our lives. He will never bypass that. Sometimes He let us go through those things. He has us. He's got us in our hands, but He wants us to go through those things. I prayed prayers. I said, Lord, why didn't you warn me about those things? And He said, no, I did. <laughs> so that guy at the coffee and this guy there and this guy. Hmm. I remember one day I was walking when I was still a runner. I was just getting into the professional arena and I was praying, should I go professional or not? And I ran into a guy in the street on my way home. And this guy was one of those weirdos, you know. <laughs> he was this weirdos in church, and he was roaming to everywhere. He was like not in a church at all, but he was everywhere. And I always thought, man, that guy is weird, you know. And he stopped me, and I couldn't avoid him. You know, it's like, he's like, oh, hey, how are you? And he said, no, no, good. He's, good. he's glad he's seeing me because he he's got a prophetic word for me. And I, and I really, I promise, I thought, oh, here we go again. <laughs> And, uh, and he started prophesying. He said, I see how you get sponsorships from nowhere. And I thought, yeah, right. You don't get sponsorship just from nowhere. You need to. So we're in South Africa. It's tough to get a sponsorship. 
And he said, you're going to get this, and God's going to supernaturally open that to you. And you're going to, and I thought, dude, this guy actually knows running. Eh? I mean, this, and I thought, thank you. And it's like, let me pray for you. And I was like, okay, just pray for me quickly. And I mean, listen, I love the Lord, you know, but he was just, and he prayed for me. And I was like, whoo, okay, let's, glad that one is over. A week after that, I had a race. And in that race, I, I actually beat the number one in South Africa. He was on the top ten in the world, and I beat him. And it was this amazing moment. I mean, it's a long testimony. But I remember that Monday morning I woke up and I made breakfast. It was just after eight, my phone rang. I thought, this is a weird number. And I answered. I said, hi, this is Henny. And I said, hi, Henny, this is Mzee Deliwe from Nike, South Africa. Do you have a moment? I thought, huh? Ended up Nike saw me on TV. They wanted to see me in this office on Monday, Tuesday morning. So I got in my car on Tuesday, drove to Joburg, got a five, four-year contract with Nike. And I thought, oh, Lord, I'm sorry. <laughs> Please forgive me. <laughs> see, God wanted to speak to me in that season through someone where I need to humble myself. I need to humble myself. I don't remember if you, last week I spoke, I said grace flows through humility. Remember that? Grace flows through humility in our lives. Now, there's been so many times when people had, had harder conversations with me in my life. Really hard conversations. They spoke to me about me. <laughs> and they were 100% wrong and 100% off. And every time I sat there and I was like, I just took it and like, thank you. Thank you for being bold enough to speak to me. And I, afterwards I thought, wow, oh, Lord, that was weird. But strange enough, when I thought about that word, God actually spoke to me through it. And it actually later on became very profound in my life. Although they were 100% off. But if I would have taken offense in that moment, I probably would have missed God in that moment. I would have missed God speaking to me through that. Sometimes God speaks to us through weird packages. I don't know about you. <laughs> People come and I all over the show and whoo, and then... When you think about it, God actually spoke, spoke to us in that moment. It's very important. Luke 7, 23. Let's see if this one works. I'll probably need an uh, assistant. Sit there and just change. Sorry, my, my So sorry. Thank you. I, wanted, I want you to see the, the, the scriptures this morning. Luke 7, 23. It says, Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. That's what Jesus said. Blessed is he who is not offended. See, sometimes God uses the hurdle of offense to bless us on the other side of it. <laughs> I mean, I was offended when that, God spoke, that guy spoke to me and prayed for me and gave me this ridiculous prophetic word. And then at the end of it, I was blessed much more. I never spoke to him again. But see, blessed is he who is not offended because of me. I know this is Jesus who said it. It's so important for us to to work through offense and around it sometimes because in community you will be offended. It's a given. In family, you will be offended. I don't know about you. If your family has never offended you, I mean, you are, I, I, need to, I need to meet your family because <laughs> family offend each other. But guess what? When you work through that offense, you grow more deeper in a connection and intimacy with that family member. Same with community. When community offend you, oh goodness, I've been in church for 20 plus years. People offend each other and it's a given. We will offend each other. 
I mean, I had a friend who, um, one of my senior leaders, uh, um, I stood with him one morning, I had coffee, and this new people came to church, and not, not to offend anyone who's new, but they came and said, hi, we are so-and-so, we are new in your church, and we just want to tell you we're here because we were offended at that church. I thought, man, this is weird. Should I go? Should I leave? Should I stay? And my, my senior leader was amazing. He just said, man, we love you. Thank you for being here. But I just want to tell you, um, um, let me just offend you now. Because if you've been offended there, I'm going to offend you here because that's what's happened in community. We sometimes offend each other. And it's not, it's not intentional. It just happens because we are not we are not perfect. I don't know about you. I'm not perfect. Uh, goodness, no. I'm not. You can ask my wife. I'm definitely not perfect. <laughs> I am not perfect. But imperfect people offend other imperfect people. Because God makes us perfect. Amen? Come on. Number four. Oh, nice. Encouragement comes through community. Last one. Encouragement comes through community. Romans 1, verse 11 to 12. Romans 1, verse 11 to 12. See, it says, I long, this is now Paul speaking through his letter of uh, Romans. He says, I long to see you so that I may, be, may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be fully encouraged by each other's faith. Isn't that great? I love that. May be fully, oh, sorry, that, that you and I may be mutually encouraged. Did I say fully? Mutually encouraged by each other's faith. He didn't say, you should come to me so that I can encourage you and your faith because I'm the great leader. No, no, Paul the apostle said, I'm looking for mutual encouragement. I'm looking for that. I need you guys around me to encourage me on a daily basis because I'm going to have times where I'm going to feel off and I'm going to need encouragement in my life. See, Paul shows that, that he longed for that moment of community and encouragement. Now, just like God's speaking to us, God doesn't always encourage us through community like, like He speaks to us. Not, not always. It doesn't always happen through community. But in a big way, He does. He does. Encouragement happens through community. There were so many times where I come to church and I felt really off and down and I didn't... Listen, five minutes having coffee, speaking to five, three, four people, man, suddenly I felt great. I felt great. I thought, man, I, I, I can't wait for the week. See, there's times we don't need others. We, we don't need another sermon or we don't need another devotional to read. We just need someone who can speak courage to us or to give us courage. That's what we need. And that's what community gives. We need encouragement. And the enemy works overtime to do what? To discourage us. I always believe encouragement means encourage, to put courage in. And that's what community gives. It puts courage in us so we can face things in our lives. What does the enemy do? He tries to diss the courage, to take the courage out of you and steal all the faith and everything out of you. And guess where that, where that happens? In a place of isolation. In a place where we are isolating ourselves because we don't want to be part of offense and community, all those messy things. No. God wants us in community because He knows that's where you will be encouraged. That's where you will be blessed. Isolated people are a prime target.
for discouragement. Prime. If you feel discouraged today, maybe you're watching a live stream, you feel discouraged today, 99.9% you are discouraged because you isolate yourself from people who is not discouraged. And just mix yourself with, with a lot of people who is encouraged, in full of joy, full of, I mean, it, it changes you. You can't walk into a, a, a hall full of people who's laughing and, and, and singing and, and feel down and discouraged. It has an effect on us. Revelations 12. <coughs> Revelations 12 verse 11. You see, that's why we need to strive to have a prophetic culture in our church. We don't have a prophetic ministry, by the way. I don't know about you. We don't. And I'm never going to have a prophetic ministry. Why? Because we have a prophetic culture. We are prophetic. We don't have to run a ministry to make it happen. We, 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 we live that. I want to have a prophetic culture. I want to run into people in the street. It happened last two weeks twice. We ran into people. I haven't seen them in six months. And with friends of mine, they just started prophesying over them. I said, man, I love that. Why? Because we have an encouragement in community. There's a prophetic culture that we live out. Revelation 12 verse 11 says the following. Oh, it's not on there. Oh, sorry. You all know it so well. It says the following. It says, And they overcame, by, overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. What does testimonies do in our lives? It encourages. I don't know about you, but every testimony that I hear encourages me. I want to hear testimonies. I want, to, I want people to speak their testimonies, speak what God has done to you. I mean, tell others about the miracle that God has done in your life. And guess what that happens? It changes people. Now for me, that scripture, the most important thing about that scripture, it compares our testimony with the blood of the Lamb. The most defining moment in the history of man, it comes and it, it compares that with my testimony, your testimony. Why? Because testimony brings encouragement. Prophecy brings encouragement. And when there's encouragement, that means that you are in community. You are in community. You see, that is God's heart regarding encouragement. Hearing testimonies, hearing how good it is. And, and, and what's amazing is that testimony comes through community. I love that. That testimony comes through a place of community. I know I'm, I'm, I follow um, a church called Bethel in, uh, in America quite, quite often. And I love that. And they've got a, uh, what they do, Bill Johnson, I mean, if you know Bill Johnson, you're a famous writer, amazing guy, amazing man of God. Um, and he starts his meetings with a half an hour of testimonies. That's what they do. That's how they roll. <laughs> they always do. It's like, okay, testimony time. Who's got a testimony? And, and he sat there once, and that's how it started. Sat there, and nobody had a testimony. And he said, okay, right, no meeting today. Go out and, and go out and make a testimony. <laughs> go trust God for a testimony. And he started encouraging, challenging them to say, I want you to trust God this week for a testimony. And they went, started going out supernaturally, praying for people, seeing the, 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 the sick healed, demons being cast out, the death being raised, and they came out, and now they have to cap it at half an hour. It's like, listen, we can't go longer, we need to meet. <laughs> we need to do church stuff. But that's a culture in them to do testimonies. See, it's a place where we can share with people close to us 
That's community. We can share our lives. We can share our problems. We can share our heartaches. We can share our joy and our, and our laughter with other people. It's like hearing a good joke. What do you want to do with a good joke? You, you want to tell it again to others because you want your friends to laugh at the joke. And it's being part of community. I'm, I'm, I have such a great moment in my life. I want to share that in community. Now, as Christians, we walk through a lot of things in our lives. We do. We walk through a lot of things. We face a lot of things, tough things, awesome things. But we need something to sustain us through everything. We need something. And that thing is community. We need that. We need each other. Why? Because community will sustain us for life. It will. I don't know about you, but I can attest to that. That community saved me. It saved me, and it's part of my testimony. I was coming back from Europe in 2000. I was in the Olympic team. I was getting ready to fly to Sydney to, for the first time to go to Olympics after worked for so long and so hard to be in that team. I was the guy in the South African team who qualified the most to be in that team. And on my way back, I heard the team manager said, Henny, you didn't make it because you got sick in Europe and we can't, we can't place you in the team. You had to qualify six weeks before the games. And I couldn't. I was sick. And no matter how much doctors could do, anything could do, they couldn't help me. And I felt so powerless because it was so unrighteous. So unrighteous. And I got home and I started, um, one night I went out and I just went drinking. And I came home and I thought, man, this is not working. <laughs> and, I, and the next morning, four of my friends were at my room. And I said, sit, sit down. I said, what's happening with you? Why are you like this? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? And they saved my life. They said, this is not who you are, Henny. We know you. And they started encouraging me, speaking life into my life. And I started, picked up. I picked myself up. I got through everything. And two, three years after that, I won a medal at World, World Student Games. And for me, it was a, was a testimony of God's goodness where community saved me of making stupid mistakes in my life. And that's what we need in our lives. We need community. We need friends. We need church. We need church. We can't sit in a live stream. And I know there's people who, who are not able to be here this morning, but we, we can't sit behind a live stream when we can't actually afford to come to church and fellowship with people. Now, we want to do live stream for people who's not in Stellenbosch because we want to reach people all around the world. And there's some people who can't be here this morning, like Kieran, and, 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 and there's, there's a couple of people who's away this weekend, and we actually create a moment for them to still be part of church. But I know when they are here, they'll come. I want to encourage us this morning that, that community is the context of God. It's His context. It's His pattern. If God had... But uh, would bake cookies, it would be community cookies. <laughs> because that's who God is. That's who He is. And I want to encourage you with that. Next week I'm going to speak about being better together. And we're going to end the series. And why are we better together? Why are we better together? Can we pray? I want to invite you to stand with me. And I want to encourage you this morning that do you need strength? You'll find it in the community. Do you need safety? You'll find it in the community. Do you need to hear God speak? You'll find it in community and you'll find encouragement in community. If you're not encouraged this morning, 
find community around you what that can encourage us and who we are and what we call to be and where we need to, to go in life. We need community. So let's just pray. Father, I thank you this morning for everyone who's here in church this morning. I pray for everyone who's watching a live stream this morning, Father. Thank you, Lord, that you're molding us, that you're growing us, that you're maturing us, Father. Through all our stupid mistakes and things we do and when we don't listen and when we take offense and when we do this, Lord, thank you that we're not perfect. But if we pull our strength together in community, Lord, you make us perfect. You make us perfect. Lord, I pray that you knit people's hearts together in our church. You build them together, closer together, as we're still small, Father, as we're growing. Father, I pray that you broaden our community in this town. So we don't just a church where you meet on Sundays, but we would see and minister to people all around this town on a weekly basis. Lord, that we will see lives change through our lives as we mature, as we grow, Father. Lord, I even pray this morning that you will build wise and strong men and women around us as, as church. Even individuals here this morning that need men and women around them that is wise and that can challenge them, that can motivate them, that can disciple them, that can encourage them, that can help them hear God's voice and get the timing right to act. Father, I thank you this morning that we can hear your heart loud and clear, that you called us for community, that you've called us to be safe, that we can mature in that place. Lord, I pray that you will grow our church and that we will be a community that will lift each other up and that will grow stronger in every way, Father. Father, I pray for this week. I pray for, for your goodness that will shine from their lives. That your mercy will come and flood them and that we will see your grace, Father, in everything we do. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstellenbosch.co.za.